Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. It was maybe um, six by six, eight by eight, uh, one door, one window. Uh, it was solid red on the outside at one point, but the paint was chipping. There was no AC in the summer, and there was no heat in the winter. You may at any moment get the vacate premises immediately as the wasps and dirt daubers would make their way in or out, and um, you were scurrying. By the great invention of a thing we call the Internet and Google Maps, this is still the picture, or at least the last time there, of what we knew as our clubhouse. There it still stands today, or so it did at one point. My friends and I were proud of it. Man, we loved the clubhouse. There was just something about it. I mean, it didn't take us long. And once we figured out the clubhouse that we had drafted some official rules. And the rules were posted up on the, on the wall inside there. And simply some things that were just important to us. One is how you got in. Two, how you stayed in. But probably most importantly to the clubhouse was who couldn't get in. And who couldn't get in was girls. Yes, thank you. Girls. Yes, absolutely, right? Now, some of us were more convinced about that rule than others. Can I get a witness? All right? But there was one group above all else we for sure didn't want in the clubhouse. Big brothers. And so to keep big brothers out, right, we kind of came up with a list of all these rules. We came up with a secret knock. I'm not going to show you the knock. Come on now. Come on now. Right? And not only do we have a secret knock, just in case things got a little bit shady, we also had a secret code. If you couldn't decipher the knock exactly in the right pattern, the right order, you had the secret code to get in. Clubhouses, listen, man, they're fun. They bring a world of imagination. But they have a culture. Right? They're defining who's in, who's out, and most importantly, who is not. Right? And listen, it's kind of like that in life. We have the world as kind of like a mixture of clubhouses. We have a clubhouse for rich people. We have a clubhouse for poor people. We have a clubhouse for you can get in if, you, if you're good at athletics. Or you can have a clubhouse you can get in if you're good at, at music or academics. You have a clubhouse you can get in if you're a working person. You can have a clubhouse that you can get in if you have a family. You have a clubhouse that you can make it in if you like this certain thing or you're interested in this hobby or whatever. You can have a clubhouse if you're a certain skin color. I mean, you can just have clubhouses for anything. And we've gotten really good at... Um, of making up about our clubhouses in this world, about who gets in, and most importantly, who can't get in. And what happens today in the text is, is that God comes and steps in and says, there's a different way of life than the clubhouse way of life. There's a different way of life than the clubhouse way of life. And what Isaiah is going to show to us in Isaiah 56 verses 1 through 8 is that there's a picture of a church of a new community of people coming that, listen, aren't clubhouse way of people live life. They live differently. Now listen, this new community that Isaiah writes to, they face some serious challenges. They've got some serious big brothers. Number one is, they don't even live in their home land anymore. They've been exiled to the land of the Babylon, right? And they don't have the temple and the worship. They don't have their farms, their homes, their lands, all these things that they know and love. They are under the oppression and the thumb of big brother Babylon. But God comes and what He's going to do is He's going to kick the door down. And it's not just simply the door like back to Jerusalem, back to the temple. God's going to kick the ultimate door down. And it's this door. 
It's the door of your and my heart. You see, the greatest work that God needs to do is to change the clubhouse that's on our heart. The decisions that we made, the mindsets that we have, the prejudices that we hold, these things that are there inside our heart, and God is going to do something. He's going to change your and my heart. How? By the sending of the servant who is going to die upon the cross to change our hearts. And what we see is that from Isaiah 53, this ultimate suffering servant that is coming who is Jesus, indicates to us that a redemption of people implies a redemption of their culture and their community. A redemption of people implies a redemption of their culture and their community. It's crazy now to think that God has redeemed us, but He has no plans to redeem our culture or our community in which we live Right now, we're still waiting, looking forward to the day when Christ will return and we're going to experience right being with God forever in a place that is perfect and there's no sin and no broken relationships, right? But even now, today, because of what the servant has done, God has come to transform the church, our community, and our culture. So listen to what happens here. The first thing that God begins to transform as we look to Isaiah 56 is, is that God, because of Christ's coming, has come to redeem our work and our rest. Listen to what happens beginning in verse 1 of Isaiah 56. This is what the Lord says. So again, this, this, this ought to tune your ears up, right? This is what the Lord says. Preserve justice and do what is right. Why? For, listen to what he says, here's my reason why. My salvation is what? It's coming soon and my righteousness will be revealed. God says, listen, I'm coming for you. I'm coming to check and see, right? I mean, we read about that in the New Testament letter when this slave Onesimus had run away, right? And, and Paul writes back to Philemon. He says, accept my brother. Accept him back, not as a slave, but as a brother. Your brother Onesimus. And then Paul says this simple statement. And get a guest room ready for me because I'm coming. Paul says, I want to see that you're living it out. Jesus says, listen, I have purchased you, church. But I want you to know I'm coming back soon. I want to see, are you living this? Jesus often said, be ready for you know not the hour that your master comes. But listen to what he says here. Further, verse 2. Happy, the ESV indicates that this person is, uses the word blessed. Happy or blessed is the person who does this. The Son of Man who holds it fast. So there's something they're doing or maintaining about their way of life. Look what he's going to define this. This is a way to happiness, a way to blessing. Listen to what he says it is. Who keeps the what? The Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps his hands from doing evil. The Sabbath has always been a sign of, of the covenant, right? It's the fourth commandment listed there in Exodus chapter 20, right? Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. It reflects why? Back on what God did in creation. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, right? God did all of this creating. Day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, day 6. And then on the seventh day, God did what? He rested. Come on, there's ten of us. Come on. Stay with me, folks. Come on. This is God's Word, man. This is, this is what the Lord says. You need this. You need to hear this. This is for your own soul. Jesus says you don't live on Happy Meals and hamburgers alone, but every word that comes from this blessed Word. This is feeding your soul, yo. Listen up. You need this. I need this. Don't just check off Sunday as something we do. Man, zone in. Hear God's Word. Listen, though, I mean, we're going to see it in a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and 15 says something further about what the Sabbath means. 
He says the Sabbath is in fact a reflection from what God has done for His people in Egyptian bondage. And it's a way in which they celebrate their victory. But listen, resting is a sign that you have come under the banner of God. You've experienced His victory on your behalf. Resting. So a community, listen, that sets aside one day a week, listen, that, I mean, that's like a clubhouse unlike any other. I mean, scholars tell us, listen, that the Persians, the Babylonians, the Canaanites, the Egyptians, the Greeks, none of them. It was unthinkable to that culture and those cultures to ever have one day a week where you did not work. It was unthinkable. So this Sabbath rest is a certain mark or an indicator of, listen, that these people, God has a different way of life. His clubhouse rules look differently than the culture. And so listen, to understand this, we need to understand maybe just for a moment, well, what even is the Sabbath? Like, Blake, what's that even mean? Like, what's, what's he even talking about when he says the Sabbath? So maybe to, just a couple questions we need to ask. One, what's the purpose of the Sabbath? Well, I think the purpose of the Sabbath is the moment ultimately in which we model God, right? We're looking back to the creation that God rested on the seventh day, and so we're following God's example recognizing that we, even though God who is all-powerful, right, has no need of rest, marked rest. Why? Because He said we would need it. It was something that He was building into the part of creation. But listen, when you rest, it's an indication, or these people rested, listen, it was an indication that they weren't gathering food but only on six days. So the seventh day, they had to depend that God would bring enough on the sixth day to have them have food on the seventh It was the seventh day. Listen, they were working six days a week during that time. And on the seventh day, they rested. So they were trusting that what God would do in six days of work, listen, they would trust that He would bless that seventh day as they rested. So ultimately, Sabbath is an indication of faith. It's an indication that I trust in this God who I can't see by the way in which I live my life that is counter-cultural. Right? It's a demonstration of their allegiance. But maybe we need to ask another question, right? I mean, this may be even more pertinent to us. Should we, as New Testament believers, obey the Sabbath? Maybe you've wondered that. It's a hard question, right? But let's maybe try to answer it as best we can from the New Testament itself. Not in just what we think, but or maybe how you were brought up. But what's, what's God's Word say? Look what happens here in Romans chapter 14. Paul says, beginning of verse 6, One person judges. So now, what you're going to hear again is something about Christian liberty or Christian freedom might be the adage you would use here of this passage. Right? Paul's going to say something. This is important. Again, we're asking this question. Should we as New Testament believers obey the Sabbath? This is important. One person judges one day to be more important than another day. So we're talking about one day. All right? Now, contextually, we've got to be honest here. We're not absolutely sure if Paul is specifically speaking about the Sabbath. Right? The Jewish people had other holidays, and that's what happens. You see the New Testament church, they're colliding, right? Of guess what? These people are still Jewish for the vast, vast majority of them. Gentiles are coming in, right? And Jews still are celebrating all of these holidays, these feasts, these different things. And now the Gentiles are coming in. The question is, well, should they celebrate these, right? There's a question of should they be circumcised? I mean, there's this church is a mashup of cultures colliding. And they're having to work through all of these things. And so we think here specifically, he may be talking about holidays, right? But we could look and say, man, there's certain application absolutely to the one day being the Sabbath. So again, a context there helps, right? So we're not just trying to make this say what we want to say. So let's, let's wrestle with it. So one person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges, now listen, this is their decision, every day to be what? Every day to be the same. 
So look what happens here. This is what Paul says, this idea of Christian liberty, Christian freedom. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. So Paul says, listen, there's some that are absolutely convinced that they need to take a Sabbath. They need to, right? And so they recognize that this doesn't even get into the wrestling of is the Sabbath Saturday and Sunday, right? We recognize it's Sunday. Why? Because that's the day the Lord was raised from the dead, right? It's called the Lord's Day in the New Testament. And so we gather on Sunday morning. You gather this morning in a church on Sunday morning for one specific reason why we gather this day and not Monday or Tuesday or Thursday or Saturday. We gathered on Sunday morning because it was the day that Christ was what? Raised from the dead. You're making a declaration this morning, even by being here, that there is a risen Christ. But again, he says, let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. So there's some sense in which there's a freedom, right? One person says, well, there's the Sabbath. Another says, listen to what he says there, everyone, right, every day is the same. So again, there's some type of wrestling, right? Um, some translations say all days are alike. But listen, so the question might be further of, well, so where does that leave us, right? Like if there's not like absolute clarity from Paul on this, right, and there's some sense of Christian freedom, where does that leave us? I think this is important for us as we recognize Sabbath. Whoever observes the day, observes it, and that's what he says here, for, here's the reason why, honor of the Lord. So the person that's taking the Sabbath day is doing it in honor of the Lord. And then he uses this example, whoever eats. So maybe the one that says, listen, I don't recognize that maybe there's a Sabbath that we're under that, right? I don't, I don't see that. They're saying that, when they look at Exodus 20 and verse 4, that on the Sabbath, keep it holy. They're saying, no, I think that's more of a ceremonial, right? I mean, I'm not sure if I'm recognizing that necessarily as we have to be under that still as New Testament believers. And so he says, those people are eating, but notice what they're eating for, the Lord. So Paul comes to this conclusion. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat. And he gives thanks to God. Paul says that no matter how you fall in the argument, you better be certain that there is time at least one day a week where you are living specifically in honor of the Lord and resting. Is there Sabbath in your life? Do you have a time to rest in your life? When you think about how you plan your Sunday, or again, I, I realize we, we live in a culture in which some of you, right, there's demands of works, and, and I've shared it before, praise God, right, that if my child gets sick today, there's going to be people there, right? But praise God today, if something happens crazy in my life and I press 911, someone's going to answer and people are going to come. So we recognize, we, we may divide on the issue, but we're at least thankful, right, in many ways that there are people that work on the Sabbath. Right? Even if you take this Sabbath right here and say, man, that's how I see it. That, right? I mean, you're still, there's moments in your life, I'm sure, where you thank God for how that works in our culture. But nonetheless, I want you, as you approach that Sabbath, right, that taking of it. And for many of you, it is Sunday, right? It's just how the culture is, right? That's for you. It works with your job pattern, how that's been. Man, I want to encourage you, as you think about it, listen, you can show up on church and still not honor the Lord. I mean, you can plan this day so packed full that you don't have time to rest. This is a part, listen, this is a part of what Christ has brought for us. It is a place to rest. So be careful if you make Sunday a day to honor you and not the Lord, however you see it or whatever day it is for you. You need time to honor the Lord and to rest. But listen, this reorients, reorients work in the new community. Listen, again, I referenced it earlier, but... Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. Listen to what it says, talking about the Sabbath. Remember that you were a slave. Listen to this. You were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God did something. Notice what he did. He brought you what? 
He brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That. Look at this word right here. That. That is why. Because of what He did that you could never do for yourself. That is why. Look what He says here. The Lord your God has commanded you to keep what? The Sabbath day. So ultimately, they're keeping the Sabbath here is a reminder of what the Lord has brought them from. It's a moment of rescue. So listen, when you think about this, again, making this balance with you and work, how you treat your Sabbath day indicates a lot whether you're enslaved or not. Now, maybe not it's not under the Egyptian bondage, but it may indicate how you treat the Sabbath or how you work and you can never rest indicates that you're enslaved to the mighty dollar. It may indicate that you're enslaved like to your own glory, your own power, right, to building your own business or your own empire or whatever, because if you can't even take one day away, it's enslaving you. So listen, guys, for some of you, you're in positions, God has raised you in positions of power. I want to encourage you to the best of your ability, provide your people a Sabbath. Again, you may work in a culture where it doesn't necessarily work, where it can always be Sunday. Maybe you can give them rotational, right? Or give them one day a week sometime. Give your people, if you're in a position of power, give your people time to rest. And if it can be Sunday, be Sunday. Why? So they can gather with the church. So whatever it may be, again, I, I recognize you work in different professions. There's different expectations. If at all possible, give your people opportunity to rest. Why? Because this is a new community. This church has brought about something that's different. Again, listen, the Persians, the Greeks, the Egyptians, the Canaanites, none of them celebrated or honored this style of life. But the people of God were different. And so it is with us. But listen, this not only transforms how we view work and rest, it also transforms our view on singleness and family. Listen to this, this change in culture. Verse 3 of Isaiah 56. No foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord should say, the Lord will exclude me from his people. And the eunuch... Now watch this example that God uses right here. Listen to this. And the eunuch should not say, look, I am a dried up tree. Four. Here's why. Here's why the, the eunuch right, should look differently on things. For the Lord says this, for the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, again, there's that statement. You'll see it again in verse 6. And choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant. I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. So there's something transforming happening, right? Now listen, Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 is, is the background here. And there's, there's some vagueness to exactly how all of that unfolds and what exactly is implied by the eunuchs. And you've got to understand, listen, scholars note that the physical defects that are mentioned about eunuchs often weren't only because of accidents. Often it was intentional. Because sometimes, right, this happened as a part of a pagan ritual in which these people were indicating their sincere devotion to this other God that they were worshiping. And so they would do this then to themselves, right? To indicate how, how serious they were in that devotion to that person. So listen, we recognize that for some, right, eunuchs as those that have made themselves that way, was a rejection, scholars tell us, of the procreative powers of the Israelites. Like, this was not what God had created them for. They were intentionally warring against them. Now again, meet our culture, right? Meet our culture in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 7. So Paul was encountering a culture in which some people said, guess what, even if you were married, this is how you became really holy in marriage. You didn't come together as husband and wife. Paul says, you guys have missed it. He says, husbands, your body's not your own. Give it to your wife. 
He says, wives, your body's not your own. Give it to your husbands. And some brothers just said, now he started preaching, right? Come on. Oh, well, a few of us laughed. Come on now. Come on. Why do we come to church and act differently? Like we don't live in that world of sex and culture and all these things that are happening. Like It's real. God's Word speaks this stuff in real life. I think at times we act like God's Word. Oh, we don't need to say that. Man, I'm telling you, your kids are seeing it and hearing it on the video and the screens in front of them and everything else. Quit acting like God's Word and have something to say about it. Anyway, back to it. So listen, uh, the reason why I'm sharing that is, is this, because there was a danger becoming of viewing the family as not important. And God created the family to be important. But again, like we learned last week, the family is important, but it's not ultimate. Again, hear me. The family is important, but it's not ultimate. What is ultimate? Listen to what he says here again. Uh, Verse 5. I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name that is better than what? Something better than sons and daughters that obviously eunuchs couldn't have. Something better. Right? I mean, to everyone here today, listen, we live in a culture that can strip away your dignity if you can't be a part of a family, right? Or you can't meet the requirements of our clubhouse. Like you're on the outside of our clubhouse and we're all on the inside or whatever, right? But listen, some of you, listen, for some, these folks may have even done something intentional to cause it. And God says to them, ah, even if you have done this intentionally, I will show you mercy and I can show you grace. Isn't that good news? We've done intentional things that go against God at times. All of us have. We're all rebels. And God is merciful and gracious to us all and will still give us something better than sons or daughters. Now listen, again, I talked about how this transforms our culture and singleness and family. This is something to our single people here today. Some of you are battling the culture's pressure that you have to get married, like you have to have a husband or a wife or you're not in the clubhouse. But 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, Paul says that there's some who have been given the gift of singleness, that they might intentionally serve the Lord or live for the Lord. I think Jesus is alluding to this when he uses the example of, guess what? Eunuchs. In Matthew 19, Jesus has been teaching about divorce and remarriage, and there's a long dialogue, and he, he gets some really hard commands. And finally, the disciples say to him, Lord, if this is the case, it must be better not to marry. That's how strict Jesus was viewing marriage based upon the culture in which he lived. But listen to what Jesus does. This is further dialogue in that same chapter of Matthew 19. For there are what? Eunuchs. There it is. Watch what Jesus does with this. This is important. Again, talking about singleness, all right? So listen to what Jesus does. This is important. Some of you, again, you're single. You're wondering. You're thinking, God's called me to singleness. You live in a culture, right? The times can pound on that and say, well, man, there must be something wrong with you, right? Listen to what Jesus says. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. There's nothing they could do. There are eunuchs who were made by men. So something happened, right? Could have been something, I mean, someone just, something awful, right? We don't know. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves, now watch this, listen to this, this is what I'm going to draw you to. There are eunuchs who have made themselves that way, listen to what he says here, because, because of what? The kingdom of heaven. There's eunuchs who have made themselves that way, right? Now listen, Jesus isn't speaking here, right, just simply about something physical. Any more than when He says to us, if your right hand causes you to sin, you should what? Cut it off. If that's the case, then we should be, everyone in here should be amputees. Because I'm guessing you've done stuff with your right hand at times that did not honor the Lord. My assumption is, some of you, it's here. The things you're viewing, the messages you're sending, the things that are happening, 
Jesus also said, listen, if your eye causes you to sin, you ever lusted after anybody, you've been greedy, you desire other things. He says, what should you do with your eye if it causes you to sin? Pluck it out. We should all be blind. I mean, let's be honest. We've all used our eyes in ways that are not honored and glorified God. So when we hear this statement, I'm making that point to say, listen, Jesus isn't saying that we should all go out today and castrate ourselves. What's he saying? Listen here. Eunuchs who have made themselves that way because of the kingdom of heaven. I think Jesus is saying that there are those because of their devotion to Christ and the kingdom are saying, listen, God hasn't called me to be married and as a single person, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, I can do even more for the kingdom as a single person. So for some of you, listen, I know you may be getting pressure and listen, some of you as adults, you, you may not like this because your kids are hearing it. Man, I'm just doing my best to share with you God's Word. Some of you may be called to be single. And you may be making feel like that's less or somehow your life doesn't matter as much or you're not as important or you don't fit in the clubhouse. But this is a new community. Hallelujah. This is a new day. It's God's new place and it's called the church. And it's the kingdom that's coming. So again, this new kingdom, this new community, it's a place where outsiders become insiders. And nobodies become somebodies. Listen to that. This new kingdom that's coming, this new culture, this church that Christ has purchased with His own blood is a place where outsiders become insiders and nobodies become somebodies. And thirdly, it's a place where race is redeemed. If I haven't ruffled your feathers, and again, it's not my heart, I'm just doing my best to preach God's Word, this may very well do it. Back to verse 3 of Isaiah 56. Listen to this change of community and culture. No foreigner. So again, now he's going to use the example of foreigners, right? Jesus or God's talking about that the church is going to look different. No foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord, right? The ESV, I think, uses the word converted there. I think it's a great word, especially based upon our text from last week and how we utilize it. But no foreigner who has converted himself to the Lord should say, the Lord will exclude me from his people. Right? I mean, th- there's an indication that people feel like, you know what? No matter how much I hear about the fact that Jesus died on the cross and forgave me, I just feel like maybe God's holding something against me. If God was holding something against you, that means this sacrifice is not sufficient. And the Savior lied when He said, It is what? Finished! It's finished! But listen, deep down inside, all of us have that foreigner spirit. Now, I'm not talking about the group, right? But, I mean, listen, there's that, that sense in which we feel like maybe God won't actually love me or accept me. Like, if, if He really knew me, He does know you. He knows you perfectly. And guess what? He sent His Son to die for you. This is good news. So listen, God has brought them in. And, and so we need to be wise as a church and as a new community that listen, those that God hasn't excluded, we as a church clubhouse sure not exclude them. You with me? We shouldn't exclude them. And maybe, listen, we may do it in unintentional ways by just not involving them in conversation when they walk down the hallway or when they come and sit in our pews, we kind of distance ourselves or don't say as much to them as maybe to somebody else or whatever it may be. Listen, listen, look what happens here to these people. Um, uh, verse 6, As for the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him. Listen to what happens when people come, even outsiders come to know Christ. Listen to what happens. Look what happens. They begin to love the name of the Lord. They begin to serve Him. Further, verse 6 of Isaiah 56. They begin to keep the Sabbath without desecrating it 
And they hold firm to that covenant. Why? Because God can transform anyone, anywhere, anytime. He can. And it's just, listen now. Don't miss the context here. Again, we're, we're trying to make this understanding of how this transforms the church and, and the community and the culture in which we live because of what Christ has done, right? All of this is rooted in Isaiah 53. It's all anchored there. He's writing to those who are foreigners. It means they aren't ethnic Jews. Okay? He's, he's talking about those that are Gentiles. And for the vast majority of everyone in this congregation, I'm assuming that probably means that this passage is about you. These are very words written there in 700 B.C., 2,700 years ago. We're speaking to people just... It's speaking about you. Because you're not an ethnic Jew. You're a Gentile. And it's saying that, listen, you can come in. This is such hope. But listen, in our culture, there are often other races that are outsiders. Let's just be honest. I mean, there are other cultures that just... Because... Of the color of their skin, they may be likely more likely to be pulled over. Because of the color of their skin, they may be more likely to be assumed to, to cause harm or to do something. Just because that's how God created them and the color of skin that He gave them. And us, by our earthly eyes, are making judgments that God somehow did something wrong and they can't be in our clubhouse because of how God created them. That's jacked up. That's sin. It's racism. Listen. And here's, here's what's transforming about this passage. Is that when the other people come in, people like us, the Gentiles and the Jews, would never want... They wouldn't, they wouldn't want you in their synagogue. Right? I mean, like back in the day, they wouldn't... I mean, I guess the temple, they wouldn't allow you in the temple. There was a, there was a wall that said, Gentiles, listen, no further... Or death. And, and listen. The only thing that will transform that was not people. God had to come in by the power of the cross and transform their hearts. If people are to come into this church, to the, our clubhouse, if the, our community, this community of believers is to be transformed to look like this community that God intended to, God's going to do a work in our hearts. Listen, I used to use this illustration. I, I think it just so applies. We desire for our daughters to date a man like Jesus. We want his values and the way he lived. I mean, can you imagine if your daughter dated Jesus? But some of us have a real issue if our daughters brought home someone that looked like Jesus. We want them to, to act like Jesus. But we wouldn't want our daughters to marry Jesus. Newsflash, Jesus isn't white. And the only thing that's going to change that in your heart is the work of the Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God this morning convicting you and convicting me of our clubhouse mentality. There's got to be a transforming word, beloved. Listen! We've got to quit making outward appearance judgments and make a right one, the Word of God says. Listen. I mean, I mean, back in the day, our clubhouse, we had a punishment, man, if you broke the rules. Like, it was, our, our punishments were stiff. Right? I mean, and it, 
And it kind of like just ranked up, got worse and worse. And like if you ultimately did the unthinkable, if you brought a girl into the clubhouse, it was over. Right? Lifetime banishment. Right? I mean, listen, how much more treachery when we violate the Word of God and come against the Holy God? Guess what? It's not just lifetime banishment. It's eternal banishment. But the good news is, for God so loved the world that He sent His only Son for you. That if you would believe, you should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is inviting you into His clubhouse. He is showing you mercy and grace. Listen, it's the hope that this text today is not only to the community. Listen, it's to a new group of people. Sabbath rest isn't just about physical work today. It's about us trying to be good enough to be accepted by God. Listen, you can't do it. That's why Jesus came. He died in our place and therefore He says, Come to Me, all you are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. The ultimate rest that you need is not just to take one day a week off. The ultimate rest you need is rest from your sins. It's peace with God. And Jesus has made that possible. So to all of us here today, we all have that need. And it can only be met in Christ. To the eunuchs today. Yes, most of us are not physical eunuchs, but we're all spiritually dried up, are we not? Paul says in Ephesians 2 and 1, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. That's how dry you are. You're dead. But the good news is, listen, we are cut off from God. And what can we do? There's nothing that we ourselves can do. But Isaiah 53 and 8 says this, that Jesus was cut off. He was cut off. Why? So that you would never have to. When was Jesus cut off? You hear Him there on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was cut off on the cross. Why? That you and I, He might give to us as spiritual eunuchs an everlasting name. That's what it says. That will never be cut off. Man, today, listen, you can have the most valuable gift ever. Eternity in the presence of God. So I want to encourage again the singles. Listen, you don't feel like you have to marry. Realize that you don't have to have someone else to fulfill you. Why? Because as Paul says in Colossians 2, you've been made complete in Christ. You don't have to have. There's like, ah, man, Jerry Maguire, I get it. Like, oh, you complete me, hearts. Right? Jesus completes you. Listen, I, I know my bride loves me, but she can tell you I can be a jerk. It's not all candy canes and unicorns and rainbows at our house. It's not perfect. So listen, if you're looking for that perfect person that's going to always make you happy and complete you and give your life fulfillment, you won't find it anywhere other than the cross. Third and last to the outsiders here today. Maybe you feel like an outsider because of your past or your current place in life. Maybe it's addictions that have conquered you or tags that label you. Maybe it's a spouse that's abandoned you and you feel hopeless today. I want you to know that there's hope for you today on the outside because listen to this, listen to this. I will bring them, again, he writes to the foreigners here again, right into these foreigners. Verse 7, I will bring them to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. God's bringing them in. Listen, you couldn't come, but he's coming to you. He sent his son for you today. Listen to this as we close. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar for, he says, my house will be called a what? A house of prayer for who? All nations. And the beauty of it, look there. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices He's going to accept. Why? 
House of prayer, listen, indicates that you and I finally have intimacy with God, communion with God. How does it happen? Because of one sacrifice, the sacrifice on the cross. That today all foreigners, all outsiders, which is every single one of us spiritually, can now come into God's family to be a part of His forever family. So this leads us to a place of just saying, look, to God be the glory. Great things He had done. So loved He the world that He gave us what? His Son who yielded His life and atonement for sin and opened the life gate that you might come in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come today to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory. Great things He had done. Amen. Pray with me. Father, please, God, please, God, today, speak. Help us realize that we are all spiritual eunuchs. We are all foreigners and outsiders to You. We are all in desperate need of a Sabbath today. And all of this has been won, not by us, but by Your Son, Jesus. Today, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we come repenting and saying, Jesus, I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. Praise the Lord. You've done for us what we could never do for ourselves. Now, Father, today, because of what you've done, transform this clubhouse. Transform this church, this community, this culture in which we live. To truly go and love as you have loved us. We love you, Lord. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.